Welcome everybody to the second edition of the BGF Fight Gear Lockdown Talks. Today we have a very special guest. I'll first introduce myself. My name is Misha Bush. I'm here with my co-host Jan, Jan van Haperen, a.k.a. the uh, Human Forklift. Uh, maybe later he can talk a little bit about that. Um, our podcast is, uh, uh, especially now during the lockdown, we would like to talk to some high-level competitors, uh, people in the scene, and, and would like to find out how they're doing during this time and learn from them how we can deal with being locked down at home and at the same time uh, dive a bit deeper into uh, the person and the story behind him. Uh, if you like this this series, please, and uh, you watch this on YouTube, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, The Gee Experts, and let us know what you think about it. Leave a comment, like the video or dislike it, whatever you think about it. Let us know. Uh, or if there's somebody that you would really like to see interviewed, also leave a comment in the, in the comments below so we know what you like. My guest today is a well-known fighter at tournaments in Western Europe. He's uh, um, in Europe, but but people know him across the world as well. And with his kind of Viking-like appearance, he uh, a kind of aggressive style of rolling, he's always somebody that attracts a lot of eyeballs at tournaments, at, at training, at, at jiu-jitsu events. And he's known as the Flemish Lion. Uh, welcome, Martin Bowens. Thank you for for being here today. Hey, nice, nice to have me on the show. Uh, was really uh, happy to uh, to talk to you guys about uh, some stuff. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I'll give a little bit of your uh, uh, your list of accomplishments right now, but uh, jump in and correct me anytime if you say, "Hey, that's that's not right," or I'd like to add anything to that. Uh, Martin Bowens' medal collection includes many IBGF medals in both gi and no gi. This year, he became Purple Belt European champ at the IBGF Europeans in Lisbon. He trains at different gyms across Belgium, but represents Prana Jiu-Jitsu in Sweden, where he trains under Kenta Hammerstrom. Um, Martin has a master's degree in human movement sciences. I, I knew the Dutch term, but I had to look up the English word for it. I think this is correct. Uh, and he's the manager of a big fitness gym in Belgium. And um, well, he's especially working on uh, on things in that field right now but he's been into uh, nutrition and strength training for a really long time and he's kind of an expert when it comes to jiu-jitsu specific strength training um well maybe we can start with the, with the lockdown like how's that for you right now yeah. how is your life so first of all a little uh difference um my job is uh, i'm a manager of a, like a, a pool facility which includes a big swimming pool for the general public. Uh-huh. Um, it also has a fitness and a restaurant in the same complex. Okay. Um, so it's like a three-part complex, and I'm the, the head manager of the whole uh, complex. Um, so, yeah, we closed down 13th of March. So it's been like two months. Um, I do little work, some administration. We try to plan ahead a little bit for the reopening. Everyone is harassing me. When you're going to reopen? When you're going to reopen? Yeah. Uh, probably going to be July. So still some more weeks uh, to sit back. Um, luckily, I have a gym at work. So whether I'm here doing some paperwork or sitting at home, I can always drive here and do my private workout in an empty gym. Right. So like a little bit of heaven <laughs> in the lockdown, actually. Um and for the, yeah, for for spare time, I do some some chores at home. I did a, a lot of yard work, cleaned up the garden. Uh, my girlfriend is a physiotherapist. We made a little practice room in the house too. So yeah, I'm 
busy. I'm a busy. I, I like to be busy, so I keep myself busy. Right. And what what about the rest of the team at your work? Are they at home, or do you also get chores uh, for them? Like clean the gym for the fifth time, or <laughs> I can imagine at some point you run out of things to do. Yeah, the 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 people from the from the, from the pool, uh, they're home. Um, the guys from the restaurant, they do takeaways and drive drive driveaways. Um, the people from the gym itself, uh, we have two main uh, group teachers. Um, they now started again with outdoor uh, classes. Right. So indoor classes is still prohibited. Um, every indoor activity actually um but the complex is located next to a nice park so it has the advantage of giving outdoor classes in the park oh that's, that's nice yeah yeah that's good that's good and then uh yeah all the rest is at home uh like i said i'm two three days in the week here at my beautiful desk <laughs> yeah uh, and then the rest, like I uh, work a little bit from home or pick up a phone here and there, make a phone call. But, uh, yeah, right. That's it. Yeah. And, and what does it look like compared to normal? If you, uh, besides training, uh, sorry, besides your work, if you look at training and your your jujitsu life, which yeah. of course is a big part of your life, uh, how does it look for you today compared to the normal when there's no COVID going on? Uh, yeah, start with, start off with jujitsu. Like the, all the classes, the gyms, they're all closed since 13th of March. I'm able to do some drills at home. My girlfriend luckily recently started doing jiu-jitsu as well. So I have like, uh, I think four or five uh, mats, tatami mats, yeah. two or one meter. So it's enough space to do some drills. So I try to sharpen up my, my techniques, uh, repeat some stuff, try some new things. And then the physical work I try to do here at the gym. Uh, but normally, it's like I do Monday to Friday, let's see. I do every day workout in the gym and every day a BGJ training. Right. So, like, from 10 trainings in five days to, like, six six or seven trainings. And the intensity is way lower because uh, normally the BGJ trainings, I try to go all out. But we can go deeper in that uh, later yeah, yeah. Um, and then in the weekends i try to go to open mats also um now in the weekends it's just chilling <laughs> yeah just a lot of chilling also um yeah start working around 7 38 um i work out at work and then i go from work straight to jiu-jitsu then i go home so i prep all my meals in the weekend so I have my food with me all the time. Now it's different. Now I wake up at eight, nine. I make my, my meals fresh. Yeah. Um, I'm home pretty early. Uh, so yeah, it, it's 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 more quiet. It, it actually felt good in the beginning, taking a little break. But right. uh, I, I also like routines, and I'm pretty good at sticking to a routine. Um, yeah. Maybe it's a maybe it's a discipline thing, but it's also maybe just like a, a simplifying thing. If you follow a routine, it's you don't have to overthink everything all the time. Just right. simple to follow. Uh, yeah. Now, now is now is getting a little bit boring. Doing nothing. Like do you come up with different do. routines? Do you try to fill up? Are you coming up with different routines? Do you try to fill up fill up that void? 
Yeah, actually, uh, like, like a very structural uh, Netflix watching. Like I need this series before the end yeah, of the. <laughs> yeah, Mondays the last weeks we were watching uh, the Last Dance of Michael Jordan. Oh, cool! On yeah. Netflix. Yeah. Uh, yesterday were the two last episodes. Really, really good uh, show. If you like any kind of sport, any kind of, if you're in any kind of athlete and you're really passionate about sports, it really, uh, really, really is uh, motivating and uh, yeah. has a lot of intention. Yeah, uh, I've watched it too. But it makes me want to compete even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes me actually crazy. It's true. Sitting down at home, like with a, with a jar of ice cream, watching the television, like, man, I want to compete. <laughs> yeah, so, what yeah. what kind of competition would you, what would be going on right now if, if there was no if was no COVID? Well, actually, like, uh, so we locked down in March um, and I had some local competitions in, in uh, the Netherlands planned out. Um, Naga in Germany I was going to do yeah um, Gianogi uh, because what my, my girlfriend did her first competition too and she just missed out on bronze so pretty good for a first time and she also all uh, I think she all in all did four months of shizitsu so not bad yeah, really good where was she and, Flanders uh, no it was um, Veluwe Open All right. Okay. Yeah. 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 You go there too. Right? Um, yeah. And then we were planning to do Naga because it's not the highest level of girls that's going to compete over there. And then she can start off like. Yeah. Nice uh, confidence boost. Yeah. But me, I was I was actually looking forward to the ADCC competition rules in Germany. That was my main focus in July. I was really looking forward. I was like, okay, I'm going to in May change up the whole training sessions. Right. I'm going to focus on Ogi. Start doing a wrestling class once a week. Wrestling has always been like a big staple of my game, one of my 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 my, my strengths. Um, so I, I I really was looking forward to that. Yeah, and yeah. also diving into the heel looks and stuff. And so, yeah, right. Not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, man. Is is wrestling a big thing in Belgium? Because here in the Netherlands, there's like one competitive wrestling gym, I think, uh, cops. And yeah. but if you hear about the United States, of course, like all those. Uh, high school sports type of countries. Um, yeah, it's a really big thing and, and also very much interwoven with high-level jiu-jitsu players often. We have we, we have some Belgian athletes like way back. They were pretty good. They went to the Olympics and stuff. I trained in a gym. Let me see. Uh, nine years ago, I, I started off with some MMA and then later on went to jiu-jitsu only. And then I did wrestling close by here and that guy he had the picture with all, uh, the, the former King Baudouin on the wall so I think you're a pretty good wrestler if you manage to get a picture with the King as a wrestler in Belgium Yeah, but now I would <laughs> yeah. but it, it closed Joking, down man. after I trained there for a year so it was uh, sadly for me uh, only a short period to gain some uh, wrestling experience Um, but the guy I was mainly train, training with, he he did the crossover to MMA. We held contact and he learned me a thing or two uh, on our own. Um, so I was able to get a good base of wrestling and understand the the, the, the mechanics of how to wrestle, what yeah. to do, what to feel, how to react and stuff. Um, but we have like in Brussels, Antwerp, Ghent, uh, we have some good wrestling gyms, but They're mostly run by Russians or Chechens. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. 
yeah. makes sense. But I know some Belgian people training over there, and and even the gym where I train here close by, there were a lot of Eastern European uh, guys training there. But all good people. Um, I learned a lot from them. And now the, now the guy I'm talking about is uh, Samir Alakwazai from Team Perfect. Shout out to him. Uh, he 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 really like learned me the single leg. I I do every competition, so uh, he deserves a shout out. And now I can repay him back if because he's an MMA fighter. If he has to fight a uh, BJJ uh, type MMA fighter, he calls me and then I'm oh, his cool. uh, thrilling partner. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I, you, uh, you, you obviously you reside in Belgium. You train at different gyms there also, but you, you, you represent Prana in Sweden. Um, yeah. how, how did that come about? Like, how did you uh, uh, end up at Prana, and and what was the reason? Also, did you just end up there randomly, or were you really looking for a specific team? Uh, a lot of people ask me that question, and now actually, I think. Since a year, I know the I, I myself know the whole story. So I think a lot of people from the Netherlands know Kieran from Amsterdam. Yeah. Uh, not much. Yeah, he went to Prana one, one day for a Michael Lange seminar, and he he had good ta- contacts with uh, Sam van Bellingen and Stafford Tinpont, who were blue and uh, purple and blue belt uh, back in the day in Belgium, training for Brana uh, Braza. Um, and they were actually my main teachers back in the day, like five years, five years ago. Um, and then some and stuff they actually moved to Sweden to train there like full time. Um, and because I actually stepped into the sport of Shujitsu mainly for competing, I was like, Hmm, I, I, I like, I like Braza here and they have good vibes and show good stuff, but the focus is not on competing, and uh, I see I see it in the trainings because I went to Prana two or three times, and I was like, maybe I should switch over with Sam and and, and Staffel. And then I talked to Wim, the head of Braza in Belgium, and I explained it to him. Of course, he was like a little bit um, disappointed to lose a, a a competitive member of his affiliation. Yeah, but he understood the way how how I how I viewed it, like. If you want to compete, that's my view. If you want to compete, you got to train with competitors. You got to train under uh, a teacher or a coach that like, makes you ready for competition. There's a different type of training you do for just training or recreational or self-defense or competition. Mainly also like the way you spar, making the competitor think about the rules during a role, the time during a role, math awareness during a role, um, and all of these things, they they came in the training in Prana. So for me, it was an easy move to switch over, affiliation-wise. I just asked Kenta, like, yeah, Sam and Staffo, they're like competing for your team. Can I compete for your, for your Prana too? And they're like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> but I, I, I had to earn my stripes on the mat, though. <laughs> right. Because the first two trainings I was there as a blue belt, I was like, "God damn it, give me my white belt back!" <laughs> I want the white belt back. <laughs> it was uh, it was hard, but every every time I came there, I was doing better and better. And then, like the last two years, 
I'm a, yeah. I'm, I'm a part of the team. Can, can, maybe can you uh, uh, describe a little bit more what's it like to train there when you get there? What's the atmosphere? What what how's it? What's the training like? What kind of vibe? Uh, what kind of people do you train with also? Yeah, um, the, so it's a gym unlike we have here in, in in the Netherlands and in Belgium because their classes in the morning, uh, early in the afternoon, and in the evening. So they're like classes all day around. Let us say, um, and they also have gym equipment there. So if you want to work out, let's say one o'clock in the at, at lunch break, you can go there. You can train. Right. Um, the mat is open if you want. If you have a drilling partner, you could, you want to go there at eleven o'clock in the evening. You go there. Um, so that to start off, uh, the people over there, Swedish, they're a little bit more reserved in the beginning, but once you get to know them and they know you, lovely people. Lovely people, um, very respected, um, and the people over there, the competitors, that's what they are. They're, they are respected and they give respect. So it's um, that's that's actually how I like to be treated as well. You give what you what you get. Um, so over there in the beginning was like, no one know me. They smashed me. <laughs> I came back. I was the Belgian guy. They smashed me again. Then I got better, like hmm, the Belgium guys getting better. And then I was getting on their level. Then I won some big competitions. I earned the respect. Uh, and then I became part of the team. Um, and I, I, I rolled with everyone. So in the beginning, I did the competition classes and the beginner classes, back to back. I remember the first five, six times I was there, I was doing three, four classes a day, every day. Horrible. But... That's how I earned the respect and how I got better and learned a lot. Yeah. And almost every class was teached by Kenta back in the day. Now, Max Lindblad, very famous black belt, gives some classes. Another black belt uh, gives some classes. But back in the day when there were not so many black belts, except for Kenta, the, the, the main coach, he gave almost every class. And he had a very detailed view of every technique he, he gave. He... Um, he had a good periodization of the training too. So let us say in September, that was the start of the season. So we built up slowly, worked on a lot of more endurance type. So longer rolls, not the highest intensity. Let's say we're November, then the intensity then uh, became higher. Then we did some more shark tanks. In September, we did more basics like close guard, half guard. Then in November, let's say we do more the La Riva, Lasso guard. Um, and they also build their trainings around uh, three major peaking camps. So you have the Europeans camp, Abu Dhabi camp, and World's camp. Right. So September to January, that's focused Europeans. A week or two easy. Then we go hard again to April for Abu Dhabi. Two weeks layoff, then it's the last part of the season is balls to the wall, like everything you got for Worlds. Uh, and then... And do you July, time your visits with that as well? The, the times that yeah, you go yeah, there? Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, so then July, it's easy. They they, they, they only do one, one a day session. Nothing too much. No classes, free rolls, open mats. In August, they start the training again, building up consistently, systematically. And they, they go again at September. For me, uh, 
So I, I, I like that. So for me, it was like, okay, I want to compete. It's perfect. I want to be Europeans. I will be there in December. I'll be there in January. Yeah. Um, I did it a couple of times. Um, for me also, still one of the best training camps ever was before I won gold as a blue belt in uh, Abu Dhabi World Pro. I was there for four or five weeks and I slept in the apartment of, uh, of Max Lindblad. Uh-huh. So, so I had kick-ass training and then I came home in the house of a champion with all the medals on the wall. So I was so motivated. I was like, man, I want to have those kind of medals too one day. Right. And slowly I started collecting them actually. So I think that was one of the, the, the turning points in my, in my uh, career, as I could say. In my experience as a BJJ competitor was um, was a gold in Abu Dhabi. Then I was like, okay, I can actually do like, like real damage in the Jiu-Jitsu world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we had Max over as a guest here uh, one or two times before. He's a terrific guy. Um, yeah. What what type of person is uh, Kenta? We have uh, somebody that trains here uh, in Groningen and in Zwolle. Fancito. Uh, Fancito. <laughs> Uh, Guven Chan, he uh, he went to to uh, to Prana for a few times uh, to train there for a week or a few weeks, and he came back with stories of almost like a a myth mythological uh, creature. Maybe you can tell yeah. us a little bit about the uh, the real Kenta. He, he has some mysticism around him. That's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, oh, let us say, sometimes he, he comes over as really like harsh and cold. But he, he's actually really like feeling person and he just knows what he has to give you as a, as a coach to reproduce good athletes. Yeah. Um, he doesn't like traveling. So I never heard a story about him coaching anywhere except out of Stockholm. I don't think he ever goes like far away in Sweden. But he makes sure if you, if you go to a competition in Europe, you're ready. You're ready. You're ready. Um, Mentally as physically, because he makes the training way worse than the competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, like, he doesn't have a degree in anything, but me coming from a university background, I know when, when he says some things, they're scientifically correct. They're, they're proven methods. Um, yeah. And he, he's, old, he, he's an older person. He's like 40, 45, somewhere in between that. So he has a lot of experience too. He's, he's, he's been a black belt for 10 years. He's been doing jiu-jitsu for 20 years. So he's, he's seen the old school days of jiu-jitsu into the modern days. And he's really good at analyzing matches, techniques. Mm. Um, sometimes he just walks around. He says, drill, drill your own stuff. Then he comes to me like, hmm, you should do this. Like, let's say I'm doing some close guard. But he, he knows his athletes. He knows I like to fast pass. Then he's like, oh, stop doing this. You should do this. Then he, starts, he shows a pass. I was doing close guard. Now he shows a pass. I'm like, okay. I just do what he says because I know it works. I don't ask any questions anymore. <laughs> yeah. So Is, that, kind of, is own... that a good feeling compared to training at home? Like, okay, now I'm with the man. He's just, I don't need to think so much of what I'm going to train. I just follow orders. Exactly. Exactly. That makes me like... Um, Calm in my mind, give me peace of mind. Because here at home, I do everything myself. I make my own strength training. I plan my own jiu-jitsu trainings because I go to a lot of gyms here since I switched over to Prana. Um, 
because I started in Braza in Ghent. Mainly I trained there, but I go to the Renaissance in Brussels. I go to Leuven with Wim. Uh, I train with a lot of different people all around the country. I go to Holland. Uh, sometimes I go to Groningen uh, with, you, with you guys, yep. uh, with Focus. Uh, I go to Dino de Groot, a lot of Rotterdam, uh, Kieran in Amsterdam. So I train everywhere I can. But if I'm there, it's like a homecoming. I just, I just listen to the coach. So it, it's good to have a, a have a coach like that. Also now, sometimes I write him like, hmm, what do you think about this athlete? What do you think about this technique? Because maybe I think maybe it's for me. He's like, yeah, maybe you should try. Or sometimes like, yeah, you should do that. Then I know, okay, I'm on I'm on the right track if he says that. Yeah, yeah. But he, he's also very direct in his communication. Uh, I like that. I'm like that. Um, so if 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 you let's say are um, easily offended or yeah, you're a bit soft-hearted, then maybe the training is going to be hard at the beginning for you right. <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a mental uh, point. Yeah. Um, if you need a pat on the back every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> Only once I was told, okay, Martin, now you can stop sparring. When I had uh, inflammation in my wrist and I duct taped it, and I was like, Okay, after five rounds, you can you can stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> only the only time. Otherwise, otherwise, I was always like, Martin, you come all the way from Belgium to do nothing. You're gonna sit on the bench when there's the next class. Get your ass over here. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he, he fucks with you. He fucks with you. You you can always say, Eric, one of my best friends ever. Uh, uh, I met uh, in Prana. He's like Martin. You can always say no, right? Yeah. He just fucks with you. It's true. <laughs> But that's that that's how he how he gives you the chance to build up your character. Yeah. I so the to, intentions are there. You right. just got to take the chances for yourself. Absolutely. I spoke to Jimmy Pedro uh, last week, uh, Olympic judo medalist. He. Uh, I know him. Yeah. Uh, he told me uh, in his gym in a bit earlier days the only way people could like stop training, stop the session was if an ambulance would come to pick them up. <laughs> Otherwise, they well, couldn't come back the next day. But I, I heard a lot of stories also of Prana being pretty hardcore also in terms of keep training with injuries. Um, how, how do you feel about that and how, how does that impact you? Well, like I said, he's not stupid. Like when he, when he saw my wrist was really injured, then he said, you can stop training. It doesn't make no sense. If uh, I was there once and I had a, a shoulder injury, then, then 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 he comes to me like quietly and he says, "You can sit around off if you if if you if you would like to." Yeah. Oh, of course I'm not gonna like sitting around though, but he tells me, so he is 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 very smart because he knows what he's doing, and sometimes. You think like, my God, these trainings are like so hard. Shark tank after shark tank, point sparring, two hours, no no breaks. Yeah. You go for a water sip, you're there, 10 seconds. Like, hey, you're, you're taking a break. Get the ass in the line. Like, oh, fuck. And then out of nowhere, there's a training. Okay, let's go 50%. Like, oof, really? You think, nah, this is a joke. Because <laughs> he, he, he makes a lot of jokes, jokes like this. Let's go easy. And then he's like, okay, spike that round. But then he's like, okay, we go easy, 50%. You go a little bit hard, it's like, no, 50%, stay 50%. So like I said, he, he already has everything planned out, mapped out, is very smart. He takes a good scientific approach. 
because uh, the strength training uh, we're going to talk about that yeah. I do for myself and I believe is very good for jiu-jitsu it's actually built on the principles that uh, I learned in Sweden okay a little bit yeah, yeah. combined with a lot of other stuff but this this one works and I, I'm going to explain later why okay yeah let, let's talk about that because you're very serious about your own strength training but you also yeah. you come from a background like what we discussed before uh, academic background uh, in the sports uh, you your whole uh, career your uh, professional career is in sports and uh, strength training as well of course the management part is probably what what keeps you busy most of the time um, but could could you tell us a little bit about your own uh, vision on strength training and maybe in the extension of what you just said the 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 things that you picked up at uh, at prana yeah yeah uh, so first off i i got a degree um in kinesiology as they would call uh training methods and how the body works nutrition wise and i got the extra master in sports management but i started off actually teaching first in a school physical education mm-hmm. and working in um in a just yeah not not the most public gym it was a little bit higher class but just a regular gym no crossfit just fitness right um and i gave boxing class over there it gives a little, a little bit of pt and stuff uh, and so rich people nah nah so <laughs> so <laughs> the one that took the private courses they all were right <laughs> uh, so um let us say in, in in university and in in the books they give like the general scientific scope of what is the right way to train strength speed conditioning endurance stuff like that um but then because you got a degree of a scientific uh, scientific um course you also learn to do your own research yeah so starting off from the general approach you start looking into things you're like hmm that make this makes sense this makes sense but not for a jiu-jitsu fight. This makes sense for a runner. This makes sense for a powerlifter. So you right. you, you, you learn to, to see things the right way and to look up things the right way. And so I stumbled across some things like powerlifting. And I was thinking like, yeah, powerlifting is like producing a lot of force one time. Okay. Jiu-jitsu is producing a lot of force many times. But then I learned that, let us say, um, jiu-jitsu, you gotta, you gotta do things 10 times as hard as you can. Those 10 times will get better if we improve your one time. You can do something very hard. Mm-hmm. That's what they call your one rep max. If you improve your one rep max, you're gonna improve normally your 10 rep maxes. Right. So. That's why I think, and I've seen across a lot of articles, that strength is like the basic parameter of performance. Um, so for me, my, my strength training is really around powerlifting. But I don't just do like, oh, I max out, I'm done for today. I do two reps, heavy reps, I'm done for today. No. Yeah. Because we do jiu-jitsu, we have six-minute to ten-minute matches. We fight in a tournament uh, type of competition so we have to repeat 
a lot of fights. Volume and strength endurance is a very big factor. So my, my training sessions um, are built around four types uh, of exercises, compound exercises. We have the squat, the deadlift, the bench, mm-hmm. and overhead press. So st- standing overhead press. Is so it similar to the five exercise. times five uh, method? So I first started off with the five times five. Uh, very basic, works good for beginners. Yeah. I made some progress, but I, I, ma- I made a plateau very easily. Uh, then I went back to just regular bro type bodybuilding, just do some reps, reps, reps. I actually got stronger from that. Like, hmm, what's the problem here? Maybe right. it's my body that works differently. Then I started doing the five, three, one of um, you know, Wendler, I think. Works good. Same thing. Hit the plateau very, very fast. I'm like, whoa, three cycles. I'm already hitting plateaus. Um, so for me, I found out my body needs a lot of volume. And I think that's normal because my body is used to have a lot of volume to work with because of all the training sessions in jiu-jitsu, the rounds and rounds and rounds sparring. I'm used to getting a lot of volume in. Right. Of course, the adaptation in your body is not built from the one day to the next. It's built over time. It's built over years. And I'm doing jiu-jitsu now for six years. In the beginning, I remember the first two years I did six rounds, I was dead. Now I do 10 rounds and I'm okay, depending on the down. intensity, of course. Um, so now for me, um, how my typical training week looks, uh, let's make it easy and make it from Monday to Friday. Right. Um, the order of these exercises, I already tried out in different uh, sequences, but what works for me, Monday I squat, Tuesday I bench. Wednesday, I take like a rest off. I do like some arms, light shoulders, light back, but no really strength exercises. Just some bro lifting. Yeah. Some, some body, some bodybuilding, some bodybuilding. On Thursday, I deadlift. And Friday, I overhead press. Why I do it like that? Because for me, I'm a very tall guy. Squatting is not the most easy exercise for me compared to a deadlift. I have long arms. I can deadlift pretty easier than do a squat. So for me, the hardest lift in the beginning of the week mm. for getting progress if I get fatigued during the week. Then, so that's four exercises. I have four formulas to do my reps and my sets. I do six times six. So that's six sets of six repetitions. Seven times five, so seven sets of five repetitions. Eight times four, eight sets of four. And 10 times three, 10 sets of three repetitions. So it's four and four, and you got four weeks in a month. Mm-hmm. So that makes me able to do every exercise on every formula every month. So four or four, and I rotate. Right. So let's say week, week one, I do my squat six times six. Bench, seven times five, deadlift, eight times four, Overhead, tre- overhead press 10 times three. Next week, I switch everything up. My squat is going to be the seven times five. My bench, the eight times four. Um, deadlift, 10 times three. And my overhead press, six times six. So I rotate the whole time. So every week is, is a different load on a different lift on my body. That's actually a principle 
I got out the system of Louis Simmons of Westside Barbell. He's one of, uh, like, also a, a coach filled with mysticism as Kenta, but in the world of powerlifting. He has his own vision, his own methods. It's called the conjugate method. And it's built on the principle of if you adapt, then you it becomes easier. So why you want to adapt? You want to make it hard the whole time so you keep growing. You keep making progress. So your body needs to work to adapt, but it never reaches a point of adaptation. So you keep progressing. That's very interesting. Um, so I tried it out, the whole system. I worked really good. I've been doing this system for three years almost. I didn't use the other system. And I kept progressing every year. Yeah. So I think it works. I gave the program to some other people. The problem is it's a lot of volume. Not everyone is used to the volume. Yeah. Um, is there so a way then, to build it up though? You- yeah. So I think this, I think this can work for everyone. I actually have a friend just uh, now here who works in the restaurant. So we've been lifting weights now since the lockdown. It's two months. And we're actually planning to get the PR this week. So it's PR week. Oh, cool. The nicest week of the year. Yeah. So yesterday we did a, we did the PR squat. I think he hit the 30 kilo PR from last year. And I, I had a 20 kilo PR. So uh, he, he squatted yesterday 210 kilos. I did 180. Just failed 190. Yeah. Um, and today we're going to hit PR and bench. Thursday, deadlift and so on. Nice. Um, which is also, also important is the speed factor in jiu-jitsu. You want to be explosive. But it's also a fiber type in your muscle that um, is genetically gifted or not. Either you're more a type 2 or a type 1. And if you're a type 2 person, you're more explosive. Uh, you're more a sprinter type. If you're a type 1, you're more an endurance type athlete. Right. So it's like your uh, genetic disposition. But you can work on it. Uh, as everything, you can work on it. So what I do a lot is um, accessory works. I'm going to explain it with, uh, with Bench. I do two accessory work uh, uh, exercises on every lift. So if I bench, I'm going to do two exercises to make my bench better. And that's switch that up every week. What? Technique-wise. Technique-wise, no, but also uh, force-wise. What, what do you need for a bench? People think, ah, oh, it's all chest. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of chest, but it's also a lot of tricep. It's also some shoulders. It's also actually a lot of lats, too, because you got to keep everything tight and you got to arch your back. Right. So um, on bench day, let's say uh, I got to push. But do you want to... Use the same type of muscle for strength as for speed. So the fast muscle, the fast twitch fiber. Mm-hmm. What I do, I put elastic bands on the bar. So they, 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 they pull me down. So I have to like push through the elastic bands explosively. So I do a lot of explosive lifting with elastic bands. Yeah. I think that's really, really good for jiu-jitsu. Because you always have to push through tension and emotion. Because the partner you, you're rolling with, it's not a doll. It's it's a living person. It's going to produce force on you too. Uh, also, training with the, uh, the elastic bands is really good for your ligaments and joints. 
because your ligaments and elastic bands have the same time uh, elasticity. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's good for your joints and your ligaments as well. So people would say they bench with a lot of joint pain in the elbow. Try benching with, with uh, elastic bands. Don't get the, the weight up so high, but try that. Right. Then I do a, some tricep work and some back work. Uh, let's say for a squat, I do box squats. I do uh, half repetitions where I have a pause on the sticky point, but it's harder to, to go through. Um, so that's my strength training. So the four yeah, yeah. Uh, lifts, the four formulas, four weeks every month, I got every lift on every formula. Cool. And like I said, for three years, I keep progressing. So I think I'm doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah and, we, and you see that in your uh, competition performance as well, of course. Uh, so besides the explosiveness, your method basically also bridges the gap between doing your one rep max and being able to do that 10 times within, I don't know, a few minutes, whatever uh, your yeah. jiu-jitsu yeah. uh, so Also, the, the time between my uh, sets, normally they say if you do max out lifting, you can wait three to five minutes. Yeah. I never wait. I never wait three minutes. I try to get in there. A little bit fatigued so you keep progressing yeah because in the fight you're always a little bit fatigued too you get tired so that's the thing you gotta train fatigued you gotta get used to your body has to get used to the feeling of pushing through fatigue uh, same thing what I do for I don't do a lot of cardio work I do the Nick uh, the Nicky Nicky Rodriguez approach I just spar every round, balls to the wall, and I know I don't take a, a round off. <laughs> Actually, it works pretty good. Yeah. But if I do, if I do, and there's two type of trainings I do. Uh, one, the complete opposite. I just do easy, steady state, 50-60% heart rate for 30 minutes or more. Because that's a type of cardio we never get during the jiu-jitsu training. Mm. Maybe if you drill... I like to drill an hour, but not a lot of people like to drill an hour. So that's why, <laughs> yeah. that's why, I do, that's why I do it. Um, uh, or I do the very short intensity bursts with just not enough time to recuperate completely. That's what I'm doing now too. I'm doing three times a week on the rower. Uh, so I started off with 30 seconds row, 10 second rest, eight sets, for a week, three times, then I build up. Next week, I did nine mm -hmm. uh, sets. The week after, 10. Then I went back to eight, but I made the interval longer. So I did 35 seconds with 10 second rest. And so on and so on. Now I'm, now I'm at 40 uh, working interval and 15 uh, resting interval. So we go up, we go up, we go up, we go up. Right. And what, yeah, so, so what about pre-competition? Does it look very different? Then? Actually, the, the, you have to taper a little bit. That's what I learned in, in my uh, my studies. Uh, so you got to taper the right way. So that's actually making your body peak by also making it rest and letting the fatigue get away. How you do that, it's actually keep the intensity almost the same, but lower the volume a little bit. Uh, it's also almost the same thing what Louis Simmons says and it makes sense How, what are you going to do 10 days out you're going to lower the intensity and then you got to go max out in the competition then you got to go 
all the way six minutes, you're not used to the intensity anymore. So just, you just got to lower the volume. So for me, I know exactly what to do if I compete on a Saturday. That's why I hate competing in Holland because they always put the competitions on Sunday. So for Saturday, let's say Fuck the Saturday that. before, one week out, I go completely dead. That Saturday is mostly open mat. I try to go with everyone back to back to back to back, get the body empty. Sunday, I rest. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I keep everything the same, my weightlifting and training, but I try to uh, lower the volume. So let's say if I have um, eight sets of four on a Monday, I'll do five sets of four. Mm. Same weight, but maybe only one accessory or no accessories. Same thing, Tuesday, Wednesday, jiu-jitsu trainings. I'm actually able to, to, to go where I want. So I know I'm a little bit tired today. I need to recuperate more. I'm not going to go to the, that gym because they're, they're going to like spar too hard. I'm going to go to that gym. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a little uh, uh, lucky, lucky, luckiness for me. Um, and then what I started to do more and more as I get older, is uh, sometimes I do completely two day off, depending on how I feel. Because um, in the beginning, if you're a young athlete, you want to do so good in competition, you're so motivated, and sometimes you drain yourself too much. Right. And if there's no coach to hold you back, then no one is going to say that to you. Yeah. And then, then you're like, man... I felt weak on the competition. I'm not training hard enough. And then you're in the same cycle again. You're going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm. So it's a lot of trial and error. That's also how I got to this uh, system that works for me. It's a lot of trial and error. And knowing that not every uh, system works for you, either ever or over time. Right. So I think I believe in this system, but I know some people are not going to get used to the volume depending on their muscle type. Uh, a thing that, that, that my, uh, my professor told me in university, he was the physical head coach of a national basket team here in Belgium, uh, here in Bourgeois. He told me, I have two types of players. I have the whites and I have the blacks. And the blacks, they're never going to do a 10-kilometer run in the forest, never, because their body type is not made to do that. They can do, they can do sprints an hour and otherwise the, the, the whites they can run for two hours in the park oh look at the canyons and, yeah 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 but th that's another type of uh, black you have the east and the west coast if you look right. people from nigeria ghana Senegal, yeah congo yeah. the massive uh, look at francis and ganu uh, uzman from uh, uh, ufc yeah all explosive explosive monsters I have a very good Thai boxing friend, uh, also from Nigerian descent, Yenten. Man, he's he's a master. He's a master. But he's very explosive. It it doesn't make no sense to train that those type of muscles uh, away. Yeah. They shouldn't be trained. Yeah, genetics I'm, are just what they I'm are. I'm explosive for myself. I'm explosive for myself. So I train the explosive way. If I know a people miss explosive enough, yeah, you can train a little bit, but. You should also train the athlete how the athlete should train. Yeah. So that's 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 important. That's actually making an ebook um, 
about this. So you have the, uh, the first part of the book is like all general stuff. Like what I learned in university, I mix and match it into 40, 50 pages. Boom. That's like this kind of paper in this kind of paper. Right. And then, then, then I explain actually like, okay, it's all good and it's all right. It's all correct. But you got to like look in the field a little bit more as a coach or as an athlete that try to self-coach. Um, and it's a lot of trial and error. And you got to give yourself time for that. Sometimes, let's say this would work for three years, and now I hit a huge plateau. I shouldn't be scared to switch it off and try something else. Yeah. Uh, last last year, I actually did that. Um, in summer, I, I did two or three cycles of the four two, uh, the, the three two one, just to get a little bit of volume off my body at the end of the season. Actually, felt great. It was hard again to start with the volume, but I felt my body needed the break right. of the, the constant load and the constant tension. So that's why I, I'm probably making that, um, that switch every summer. Mm-hmm. And in season, this type of workout mm-hmm. works perfect. Yeah, there's so much other elements that, I, that I'm really interested also to know about your diet or stretching, things like that, but maybe it's a bit much uh to a lot to be said about that so maybe it's a bit much to uh to do all of that in, within the interview but could you tell I, us I a little give, bit I, about... can, I can give, a, I can give a, a small pointer away i never stretch <laughs> all right well then we're, we're done with that if we can stretch scratch that off but you have a very specific diet right do you also talk about that in the book is it does it also cover diet um, well that, that would be too much but i may be thinking about making another book about it hmm. uh i like to say that you're not what you eat, you are what you digest. So I think right. um, we should eat foods, especially an athlete that trains a lot of times during the day, eat food that digest easily. And if you're allergic or intolerant or not about gluten, is not made to digest easily. Right, right. <laughs> so for me, Let's say that the, the big part of my diet always been the same the, the last five years. So it's a lot of protein, a lot of veggies, a lot of fruits, variation in the fruits and the vegetables. Do you also look so, at other, um, I think they're called lectins, not the gluten is part of that group. Do you look at yeah. that a lot? Yeah, I try. I try. So let's say some beans and stuff. Uh, it actually makes sense. If you cook beans, there's a lot of foam on the water uh-huh. if you cook them. That foam is going to uh, exist also in your stomach if you digest the beans. Right, yeah. But you can, you, you can kill the lectins a little bit by like overcooking the beans and stuff like that. So same thing, trial and error. Yeah. My, my girlfriend, we follow the same diet actually because the DIDs came from her after she did the internship in America and stuff. She, she she doesn't digest lactose dairy products very good. I have zero problems with lactose. But gluten, I feel the difference. So I kept everything the same the last years. But the only thing is I stopped eating pasta and bread. And I only eat like rice, quinoa, buckwheat, uh, sweet potato, no regular potatoes. And I don't feel as like sleepy after a big meal. So it makes me able to eat a lot of calories and go right into a training session. So it makes me able to refill my body in between two training sessions easily. 
and get my stomach empty and get the energy for the next uh, next trainings. But yeah, yeah. if you if you have no problems, yeah. I'm not gonna say you have to switch up, but just try and switch up things and see and try to feel the difference in digesting. But it takes a while. It it took me a while to to say, oh man, I like bread. I want to eat bread. No, keep off the bread. Keep off the bread. Yeah. Now if I eat like a bread or a toast with some butter, it feels like cheating. To be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we, our, our body types are all different. Huh? We have different genetic uh, dispositions. Um, wh wh when can we expect not not the book about the nutrition, but when can we expect the first book about uh, strength training uh, for jiu-jitsu? So, I made the uh, like let's say the scientific part, uh, but I still have to make my own part. So I'm halfway the book. I, w I was actually trying to get it done before summer, um, but maybe it's going to take a little bit more time. Mm. I was actually want to get it done when people start training again. So yeah. depending on the lockdown, I said, hurry up or not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, here in the Netherlands, there's a PES conference tonight. Yeah. Uh, so at least for that target group, uh, you might have some more information soon. Uh, yeah. Is is yeah, there going to be like a website or what? What from what type of channel will people be able to? Is uh, it? I'm like, still looking into that. I'm still looking. Still looking into that. I know my my good friend Daniel. He made a couple of ebooks. Hmm. Uh, he made a good ebook about traveling to Brazil. Yeah. Um. So I maybe talk to him how 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 he uh, produced the ebook and how to get it. Yeah. To the public. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So. If you look 10 years uh, into the future, um, what, what's your life going to be like? Maybe in terms of work or ju especially jujitsu, of course, people will be yeah. interested in. Um, so first of all, I, I had the wedding plans this year. So hopefully I get married this year with all the COVID-19 stuff and rules and uh, regulations. Um, Congrats, man. Already next, in advance. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, and next year I was planning to open a own gym actually. Wow. Uh, Big news too crazy. right here on the BGFI gear lockdown talks. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> no, I uh, actually was thinking about starting a Prana Belgium or something affiliation. Cool. Uh, yeah. That will be awesome. Cause I, I, I actually do believe in the methods they, they teach over there for Jiu-Jitsu and the principles and, yeah. um, Stuff what, like that. What's it gonna be like? Yeah. Is it gonna be a, a real purely competition gym, or are you gonna have also a focus on the recreational side to to oh, get in the cash? Of course, I, I can imagine you need that for the gym as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. The people forget about that. They also want they, they only want the hardcore people to come, but yeah. you got the recreational people too. You, they first they want training, they need training, and they pay bills. Um, but I'm gonna start off slowly because I've. Uh, pretty big job over here it takes a lot it's a lot of time consuming for sure yeah. um and i already talked about some people about this at city hall probably gonna just start two three times a week in um in a doyo room in uh like a city sports yeah. complex uh the rent the rent uh, is low um they clean the mats for you they have shower so I think that's that's a, a good way to start and build people 
right. a team. Uh, it's a good environment, good quality mass. They have shower, locker rooms, very important um, for the hygiene and stuff. Um, so I think uh, I'm going to start off with that. I already found people that want to help me with giving the classes. Uh, I already started about thinking um, a way to teach. Same thing how to do it in Prana, start off and period, period, periodize the, the whole uh, trainings around some big competitions here locally. So I know Flanders is a very, very famous competition here. Mm, yeah. So it would be stupid to neglect that. It's all, I think it's always around March, February, March, depending the year. So makes sense to prepare people for that. Yeah. Uh, but I also want to focus on the, the, the recreational athletes, uh, Give kids classes. That's also important. Um, got to look into the management uh, organization too a little bit. Yeah, so yeah of course it makes sense. You what you wanna, yeah, yeah. You want to you want to start off for a hardcore team, but it's got to be profitable too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's also an important message because there's so many guys that want to start their own gym. Of course, I mean, not everybody's gonna actually do it at all. But uh, there, I guess there's that dream where, like you say, you're gonna have yeah. your Hardcore competition and, team with uh, hands uh, wrapped in uh, hemp and glass shatters, and yeah, yeah. Uh, but you you need to live and uh, some yeah. money needs to yeah. come because competitors are obviously not the the people that bring in the money uh, for your true gym. true and also uh, I like to coach I like to coach people at the competition too so I really get passionate about that so I'm I'm actually looking forward to putting more time into teaching people coaching people. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 almost 31. So let's say in 10 years, I'm 40 years old. Yeah, I see myself competing in the Masters here and there because there's some Master competitions I still want to do. Shout out to the Worlds in Vegas. Want <laughs> <laughs> to do that one? Uh, but I want to focus more on yeah, uh, teaching and uh, yeah, spreading the knowledge I have acquired over the years. Cool. So I'm very fortunate to to have um, good training partners and a good teacher in Sweden. So would be a shame if I just let that fade away. And talk about people want to starting an old gym. People think about the end picture way too early. Of course, you want to have a big facility, insane gym room. You can you can start off small too. Just mm. rent a small doyo in the city sports centers like five or ten euros an hour maybe it's more depending on the mat space but they clean the mats for you they open the doors they right. close the doors they have showers okay you can stay like 10 minutes longer maybe if there's a class a after you or before you but you don't have to make it hard from the get-go right so brick by brick yeah right. brick by brick yeah yeah we, we got some questions from people on social media we announced that we're gonna we're gonna do this interview um well maybe the uh the human forklift can can uh ask us questions for you yeah we got uh, two questions for you the first one is from it's a bit difficult to pronounce his name is uh, if you decide to go up and wait let us know by the way sorry to interrupt you if you're that guy let us know what's your name because we're we've been trying to figure yeah. out how to pronounce this for like 20 minutes here yeah i've been practicing the whole morning and this is what came out of it um, so I will be interested 
to know what your name is. So, uh, but the first question, if you decide to go up in weight division, what single drill would you do to maintain your speed? If I had to choose, um, there's a drill that also depending on what you do, if you're a guard player, then of course you should do a guard drill. Um, I think if you're a pass, you should do a passing drill. Make Don't make it one drill, make it a sequence. Make it the sequence you like the most. For me, for sure, it would be like a type of uh, pass. Let's say you're in De La Riva. You break the De La Riva hook, you step over the leg, boom, you go knee slide. The guy gets an underhook, I circle around, go to the back. So make it the move that's about 10, 5 to 10 seconds long, and you push that. I think that's uh, I think that's the way to go. If you're a guard player, let's say you start in the spider guard, you circle in the lasso, the other one comes to the floor, you step, the guy comes over you, then you do a sweep. Make it a sequence of a, of a couple of moves instead of one movement. Okay, the second question from X Pizza Man X. What is your? I know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know the guy. <laughs> What is your ultimate goal before retiring? Uh, no, so like I like I said, I would love to start coaching and teaching, but there's some tournaments I like to do. I like to I like to be the guy that said I've been everywhere. I've done every done everything. I've seen everything. I fought every guy. Um, I would like to do more um, super fight-oriented competition. Uh, I know Dutch Open gave me the opportunity to do the first super fight ever. Uh, I actually hinted a little bit for, yeah, there was a guy that won the open weight. He wanted to fight me in a super fight. Maybe do it like ADCC. The guy that wins the open weight gets to fight me, then the winner stays, and then... And, It's a nice run. Right. Um, and then I would like to fight in some countries I've never been into. Now uh, that my girlfriend competes too, we both like traveling. Uh, I would like to do the Grand Slam in Tokyo because we would like to travel there. I could compete in the weekend and stay some days afterwards. Um, like to go to Brazil. Never been to Brazil. So I have, I have to go there, maybe do Brasileiros or something. Um, and then Master Worlds, yeah, right. Black belt Master Worlds, probably. <laughs> Black belt, brown belt. Uh, I actually was gonna gonna go to Prana. Hopefully, was gonna get my brown belt then, but gonna get the delayed thanks Corona. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just hope that it's uh, within a few months we're gonna see some improvements on that uh, uh, spectrum, and then yeah. Hopefully you can join the uh, the August madness over there. Um, yes, we had uh, uh, well in the in the upcoming episode uh, we're going to be interviewing Tarik Hopstock from Norway. Um, I was wondering if you have a question for him, if there's anything that you would like to know from him. Yeah, as I am big in nutrition and training and stuff, uh, I I see he eats really really healthy. Uh, But sometimes I'm like, whoa, his portions are so small. Is it because he's a light uh, athlete? Maybe he has enough with the portion or is he cutting weight at that moment? Uh, so 
I, mean, I was maybe looking to hear from also a really, really high-level competitor uh, how his nutrition and physical workout is like mixed up. Uh, I don't know if he's more like a powerlifting type. Is he more a calisthenic or gymnastic uh, workout guy, CrossFit guy? Uh, does he eat certain foods or he skips certain foods? I don't know if he's vegeta vegetarian or veggie or vegan. I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would like to hear a little bit about uh, about that because oh. I think that's a lot of questions that people are willing to know because for jiu-jitsu you just go to class and you hope your coach is good and he teaches you what you need to know but then the nutrition and the, the, the physical training that stuff you got to do on your own so I can imagine that imagine that a lot of people want information about the about that 100%. Yeah, that's a very interesting question. Uh, we're going to be asking him that. We're going to do a bit of Shark Tank now. Uh, some quick questions and you just answer first thing you think that comes to your mind, uh, two or three words. Hey. How much can you bench? Very uh, important question. I, I hope today I'm going to do 130. 130. <laughs> Favorite technique? Uh, submission? Ezekiel Choke. Or single leg takedown. Favorite competitor? Uh, that's a hard one nowadays. Uh, gotta stick with the OG, Leandro Lowe. <laughs> Favorite pre-workout? Hmm. Uh, two. I like to go with uh, seven gear uh, from Axe and Sledge. And I mix it with hydraulic from Axon Sledge. So the one is more a stim type of pre-workout, so it gives you energy, caffeine and stuff. And the other one is more uh, a pump uh, stimulating. So mm. it uh, opens your veins more, you get more pump, you get more nutrition. So I take one scoop of each and then go. <laughs> ghee or no ghee? Both. Equally. Uh, knee reaping in the ghee? If they would allow it, I, I do it. I don't <laughs> I don't care. I just fight by the rules they give me. Right, right. Uh, who would you really want to roll with? That you haven't Maybe Leandro. Yeah. Maybe Leandro Low. I think it would be crazy scrambles. Absolutely. IBGF? And, uh, and dance battles. Right. <laughs> IBJJF? The gold word. standard. Sorry? The golden standard. Golden standard. Uh, BJJ will be Olympic. I don't think it's. Don't know if if it's the best interest for the sport. Hmm. Interesting. Bomba. Oh, harder. <laughs> Should the gyms reopen? Like now. Uh, I'll be the first one there. The first one there. Right. <laughs> and the last one to go. Absolutely. Uh, well, thanks for that. Uh, and thanks for sharing also your vision on, on strength training. Uh, well, as soon as the book is out, we'll also put a link to the book uh, down below in the description of this video so everybody can access it. Thanks. Uh, and of course, uh, we'll, we'll be looking forward uh, to see what you're going to do as soon as this uh, lockdown is lifted and, and you can jump back into competition. I hope I hope if, if, uh, if, we, can, if we can train... Hopefully we can compete in September. I think the first weekend of September there's a Naga in Luxembourg. 
that's the first one on the schedule then. Awesome. Everybody uh, watching this, thanks for watching. We're going to be back with another episode of the BGFI Gear Lockdown Talk soon. Make sure you subscribe, hit the subscribe button and let us know in the comments also what you thought about this episode, what you would like to see in next uh, episodes and, and who you want to see interviewed. Uh, Martin, have a really great day and thanks again for, uh, for, for your time. Thanks for having me and uh, enjoy the series of the lockdown uh, questioning. Oos. Oos. Take care.